why even have the character in in the movie? Uh, that I'm not, I don't think I agree. Well, with. Uh, yeah, it, it will be nice to kind of have like a uh, you know a Han Solo at you know Star's End type of film, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget if Lando was in that particular one. It's been a while since I've read those books. Uh, but the old you know, the old Brian Daly novels or the Lando Calrissian adventures, Han Solo adventures, that kind of stuff. Um, it'll it'll be fun, I think. Now, there's a bigger question around when you bring in a new actor to play uh, someone. I mean, we we this is not the first time we've seen this happen, right? Uh, Mon Mothma has been played by a different character. Mm-hmm. You know, Anakin has been played by a different character by a different actor or actress. Anakin has been played by a different actor in all three of the prequels. Uh, sorry, all three. Uh, the three prequels plus the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, the big difference there is that like you're jumping a large amount of time between Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen or you know a little bit of Matt Lanter in between and so you can in my mind you can imagine oh yeah of course Jake Lloyd would turn into Hayden Christensen uh, who would turn into Sebastian Shaw right um, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking that or mm-hmm. you know uh, <clears throat> Ewan McGregor will turn into Alec Guinness, and you, you can kind of pretend. Um, so I, I want to throw this to to you, Andrew. What do you think of? I mean, we don't really know when exactly this film is set, uh, so it's hard to see the you know, how the character ages. But it, I suspect, based on the the age of the actors, it probably won't be too far before a New Hope. How do you feel about having a new actor in the role of not just Han Solo, but with Alden Ehrenreich, but now uh, Lando Calrissian as well? Well, I think the hardest part about it for Star Wars fans is that we just saw Lando as Billy D in Rebels, which is probably very close to when this movie will probably take yeah, place. Very true. So those, it's going to be hard to, you know, differentiate those two in your minds. But if they do it well, and I've only seen Donald Glover in actually an animated form because he voices Miles Morales in another Disney XD show. Ultimate Spider-Man, and he does a fantastic job there. But I've never seen him live action. I'm not opposed to the idea of recasting it because it's obviously worked in the past, and both of these guys are going to have to fill out their own shoes. They can't be Billy D or Harrison Ford. They're mm-hmm. going to have to make the character their own. Um, so I'm not opposed to it. I'm actually happy that it's happening because we're going to finally get probably a version of the story that The Empire Strikes Back alluded to with... Mm-hmm what Han and Nando talk about at the beginning with without hopefully going too far into it because you don't want you want some of that ambiguity still left for that story. You don't want to see uh, Han lose the Falcon to to Lando. If we do, I don't want to sorry Lando lose all, the, the the Falcon to Han. <laughs> I if we see that we shouldn't also have to see him meeting Chewie and mm. him there it shouldn't be all of the stuff we've come to thanks to legends realize about that era of Han it should be focus on one of them and do that well and not do you know because there's a lot of story for Han in that era whether it be the Imperial Academy adventures or meeting Chewie or swindling Lando out of the Falcon there's a lot of stuff I think fans even subconsciously already know about that era so they have to be careful in how they retell it yeah I just think there's the interesting thing for me is I and I believe I've said it when it came to um, Boba Fett. In some cases, do we really need to know some of the backstory? Is it best just to let it sit and be unsaid and let the audience just 
accept it for what it is and come up with their own kind of backstory just to keep the mystery there. Because if you keep explaining everything, then I am afraid the character, it's cool you're rounding out the character, but you're losing some of the mystery of the character because everything now is out in the open. Yeah, that, that that you know, that's a that's a that's a good point. You don't yeah. want to you don't want to give away too. You don't want to tell too much. You want to leave some mystery. Yep. I mean, personally, I think um, I'm actually less nervous about um, Donald Glover playing Lando than I am about Alden Ehrenreich playing Han. Only mm-hmm. because in my mind, Han is a way bigger character. Yeah, Lando has a you know, there's a lot people love Lando, and mm-hmm. no, I like Lando a lot. Nothing against Lando, but uh, it's there's a lot more. Um, you know, pressure, I think, around being Han Solo than than Lando. And, like, if, you know, like, they they got a new uh, actress to play Mon Mothma, right? And it's pretty close to her, you know, her appearance in, um, in Return of the Jedi. She looks great, totally matches it. I don't mind at all, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I, I'm more of the same way with Lando, right? As long as Lando looks and feels like Lando, I'm not super worried. Um, with a character like Han Solo, though, it's just... It's it's hard to replace Han Solo, and so that's why I'm I'm more. He's a much there. more iconic character. There's a lot yeah. more nuance to the performance. Exactly. 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 Choose to fill. Uh, yeah, and now, now Aaron, I'm actually curious. Uh, your your perspective. Uh, you know, Don Glover is much more. He does a lot of comedy, and uh-huh. lately the Lando character has become almost like a caricature of himself. And some people have said that online with uh, Billy D kind of playing up the fact that he's Lando. You kind of see his his. Uh, it gets almost a little bit more um, uh, over the top every time. Uh, where do you think Donald Glover is going to play this? Is he going to try to match like current Billy D or original trilogy? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm really kind of reserving judgment as as much as I can. I especially with all the stuff that's coming out, just you know, one after the other. Uh, you know, episode seven, then Rogue One, then episode eight, then you know. I, I, I'm trying not to oversaturate myself, which I know is a really weird concept because we've <laughs> had such a huge deficit for so long. And then now there's all this stuff and I'm just like, nope, nope, I'm going to take it in very small doses <laughs> and try to um, just enjoy it when it comes out. I don't want to go in with a preconceived um, you know, notion of what it's what this movie is going to be. So I'm really trying to keep an open mind. I'm not sure what kind of... Um, plot line they're going to go with as as far as the the Han Solo story. I mean, like you guys were saying, there's there's a lot of material that they could pull from. So you know, what is his story going to be? I'm kind of hoping they'll mm, keep it a really good balance between a seriousness that we saw in uh, in Empire and then you know, the kind of the lighthearted funniness that we see in Rebels. I, I think a mix of the two is probably going to be the best. And then seeing the two of them play off each other, how much fun that's going to be. That uh, it ought to be interesting, but I'm I'm trying not to demand one or the other too much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Definitely. I'm trying to be very level-headed about it and not just <laughs> fangirl all over the place and, and get crazy ideas and then get disappointed. So Right, yeah. Well, I mean, he's very talented as an actor. And I've definitely mm-hmm. seen more of him than I have Alden Ehrenreich. I haven't seen anything of uh, that Alden's yeah. done. Right. Um, so I think I think he's a, a, a great choice and probably the 
best person to play Lando. Um, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. You know, I, I, it's it's always hard when you're recasting classic characters. Although, again, less hard, less. It's not as big of a deal as Han. I'm 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 okay with it. Mm. Less skeptical, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, we've we've got. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news coming up. But that that's the big one for this week. As we get closer to Rogue One, there's going to be more and more announcements. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be but, a ton. Uh, <clears throat> oh yeah, but uh, for now, let's uh, let's get some nostalgia. How about uh, Tom? Yeah, I can give take us this the one. Uh, episode rundown. I, for I can take I can take this, this one week. because it deals with clones. And remember, and Andrew and I and Stephen, we had the start of we talk clones. So guess what? We're going to be talking tonight about Rebels Season 3, Episode 6, The Last Battle, written by Brett Freeman. Hmm, wait a minute. Where have I heard that name before? Uh, The Clone Wars? And directed by Bosco Ning. So the synopsis for the episode is, Ezra, Kanan, Zeb, and Chopper are captured by a unit of old battle droids determined to fight one last battle to end the Clone Wars during a salvage mission. Well, it's the salvage mission that Ezra, Kanan, Zeb, and Chopper were on. And they went to this planet that actually had these old battle droids. So, it actually starts on this planet called Ag- Agamar, right? Ag- mm-hmm. Yep. Ah, now, right. what <laughs> what I love about this is, you know, Agamar has been referenced a few times. Um, we saw it first, um, and this is I, I didn't remember this because um, I never I never bought the game brand new, so I don't think I ever read this. But uh, the the X Wing video game. Uh, back in 93 came with a um, a short story called the Farlander Papers, mm-hmm. which is where Agamar was first introduced. Uh, wow, talk but about it's been pulling. in the EU. Yeah, but it's been in the EU for some time and most recently was name dropped on, you guessed it, the Clone Wars. And even better, uh, you know who was sent to Agamar uh, during his last appearance in the Clone Wars? Probably Rex. Come no. Right. Kalani, General Kalani, the super tactical droid that we see in this episode. So he's uh, he's been on there all of these years waiting. And it's really cool. We see these orders given to him uh, by Count Dooku in the Onderon arc. Again, another reference to that Onderon. That, that arc had so much of an impact on the show with wow. Saw era and everything. Uh, now in, in Rogue One. But the Onderon arc, he, at the very end, he says to uh, he he tells uh, Kalani to uh, to go to retreat to Agamar um, and await the next instructions, and that's what he does. And you know that so actually cool. is very fitting because it does make if Duku told him to go to Agamar to await the last his last orders or his latest orders, it makes sense that that would be the last battle because that was the last place he was sent to retreat to. Yeah, so it's it's mm. it's so it's so cool. I mean, clearly something happened on Agamar since then, right? Uh, because when the episode starts, uh, we see a crashed Confederate transport cruiser, one of those um, those like uh, those circular ships that are like split in the middle mm-hmm. uh, with like mm-hmm. a um, was, uh, a, co- a connective like a connector between the two hemispheres. It was kind of like a Death Star uh, split in half, is how I remember it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we've seen those before, but uh, there's one of those that's crashed on the planet, which looks really cool. Uh, and so, it's a, right off the bat, it's a great visual. And it's the, even though it's the first time we've ever seen it in any in the planet, in any visual medium. Yeah, 
And the one thing I really love about this, and there are some really good one-liners in this episode, but the, <laughs> well, the, the first one I really love. Okay. So ghost heads down on the planet. You've got everybody getting off. Harris sitting there saying, you know, looks at, looks at Kanan and says, you know, you sure you don't need any help? And Kanan's line was the best. I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. <laughs> Just the way he says it, I mean, too. he wasn't wrong. No, he wasn't. <laughs> okay, not to make it sound bad, he wasn't blind to the fact something was going to go horribly wrong. Because <laughs> it always does. Yeah. He's seeing a lot better since Malik's car, huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, that's that's low. <laughs> Although he has been, I don't know, a lot more deep with his teachings since then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even to, like, not even just Ezra, just things he says offhand to Rex and Hera and stuff like that. He's been, he actually started out as one of my least favorite characters, but has quickly grown to probably my favorite in this series because of really? his growth. Yeah. Oh. I to tell, tell I us like, more. I'm, I'm curious, especially because we I haven't like had you the, on ever for Rebels. That's true. I like the idea of him being the whole cowboy Jedi, but they never really played that up. That was a nice thing to say in the marketing stuff, but they never really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. did anything with that. But um, I remember that noticing it. The wasn't saying yeehaw enough or something. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know cool what hat. to expect from that like line it's it did sound cool but what what can you expect from it but um i don't know it just he was never really the focus of any episodes until later in the first season when we learned more about his master and whatnot so mm-hmm. he he i didn't dislike him he was just never one of the characters that i was following intently until season two and actually until i read both of the um trades of his comic which really opened my eyes to him as a character and the growth and actually the importance he had in saving or potentially saving more Jedi um, with his actions and what he did for uh, the Jedi Order by talking to Obi-Wan. But his his growth and Ezra's growth are probably some of the best character development we've had in Star Wars since probably Ahsoka. So, and that's only in three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's come a long way. It's really cool. Uh, speaking of coming a long way, Ezra, as soon as they land on the planet, finds the destroy or the, uh, the head of an old battle droid, which instantly leads Rex reminiscing about the Clone War. Um, Aaron, what did you think? Like we, we've heard, we've heard reference to the Clone Wars in the past, mm-hmm. but now it's like it's front and center. What did, how how was it to kind of see? And hear about the Clone Wars through Ezra's eyes, because he never, like, he was born on the day the Empire was to power. So this is all brand new to him. Right. It was really kind of surreal, especially coming from Rex, when he's just like, "Oh yeah, you know, I killed hundreds and thousands of these droids," and that's just like offhand. Mm-hmm. He he's not making a big deal of it. He's just like, "It's just the way it was. That's just what we did." Um, so as a an avid Clone Wars watcher and rewatcher uh, and mourner when it was killed, um, <laughs> um, still bitter about that. Uh, it, it was very, very, like I said, it was just surreal to hear him talking about that. Like this is 
this is Rex. This is who had been through all of that that we watched the whole time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's telling Ezra this um, like a, a history professor almost. And it felt a little watered down and a little weird in how he was so casual about it. But I can see at the same time he doesn't want to be like, you know, super, oh, my gosh, it was awful. It was terrible. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he's he, he's at least realistic about it. He doesn't mm-hmm. sugarcoat it necessarily. There's one thing I really – sorry. There's, there's one thing I really loved about this episode when it came to Rex. It really showed how much the clones were used by the Republic because you mm-hmm. could tell that it was – it was a P- PTSD syndrome with him, mm-hmm. especially later right. when he was captured and he came right up against, you know, the super battle droid, uh, tactical droid. And it was like, you know, war still go, still fighting, you know, and he was calling for Cody. So that that was the one thing. about Oh, this which this is like, which is so heartbreaking in it some was. ways mm-hmm. when, you know, he's waking up and he just shouts Cody. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, Kanan calling yeah. his name, but he thinks <laughs> that, ah, oh, it's, yeah, so great. and it's actually Kanan calming him down mm-hmm. because Rex is almost like ready just, you know, because of his, his Kind of with the ears ringing yeah. and everything, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was it was heartbreaking to see Rex in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, to your point also, also, you know, about kind of learning about how much the, the clones were used and kind of getting into more into their mind and everything. Uh, you know, at one point, Rex mentions that it means a lot to Kalani's programming to win. Mm-hmm. And then he says it means a lot to mine as well. Yep. And the look Ezra gives him is so is so interesting, right? Mm-hmm. He's like mm-hmm. very puzzled. Why does it matter to your, your programming? And he explains that the clones are bred for combat and with few exceptions, there is another way of life. And Ezra looks very troubled by this. Like he never thought to ask about, you know, Rex is that much of Rex history. He knew he felt, fought in the Clone Wars, but didn't necessarily know how he got there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, there was something interesting that, that I caught when Rex was uh, basically sitting there and drilling down Ezra saying, you know, those droids, you know, they don't look very dangerous. But then he comes back and says, look, they are very dangerous because at a certain point he says – these droids killed a lot of my, he said friends. I don't remember him saying brothers because in the Clone Wars, it was always brother, brother, brother. In this episode, he said friends. Brother, brother, brother. Yeah. Brother. So I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's a thing to where he, in his mind to separate himself, that it wasn't so much since he's gotten past it to separate himself from the Clone Wars. Friends is a way of him to cope with the loss because if you look at it from a clone point of view, a droid being destroyed, they can be replaced. It's just basically a machine. Yes, a clone can be replaced, but at a certain point, they're still clones. They're still, you know, well, if you look at this way, humans. Keep in mind, a lot of Rex's brothers, he saw turn on the Jedi and, yes. and I'm sure in his mind, betray everything they stood for. Right. And that I mean, could not also of their be, own will, but... True, and that could it, also mean why he's saying friends instead of brothers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this Which is an episode that really deals with a lot of the stuff Rex has had to deal with over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting yeah, episode. It's, uh, yeah. It, it, and they, they really kind of dive into this. And so it's very fascinating, you know. And at one point, Kanan says, battles leave scars. Some of you can't see. So they're, they're, they don't go, like, a ton into detail. 
uh, about Rex's PTSD or something, but um, uh, he definitely uh, they definitely start to like scratch the surface, and, you know, and the problem is that there just wasn't enough time. Twenty two minutes, they're trying to cram so much into this episode mm-hmm. um, that it's hard to discover everything. But um, but anyway, it's it's so much fun to see the battle droids back. You know, you, you, you hear Chopper. Um, Chopper hears Roger, Roger, and and runs off off in search of it. And, you know, of course, Matthew Wood is back, and <laughs> and they're kind of they're playing off of the uh, the tropes that we're very familiar with in the Clone Wars too. Like, you know, they they walk in down a hallway, and suddenly they're captured by the Separatists. Right, the battle droids appear, ray shields. Yep. Uh, go right around them and it just feels very much you know straight out of revenge of the sith the pinnacle of the clone wars mm-hmm. and um you know and again we, we're seeing this through ezra's eyes where he's asking like who's roger uh yeah that actually roger, roger. That, that was funny i laughed so hard <laughs> <laughs> which is so so amazing you know um and, and so it's it's really cool to, to see them back and to kind of like make jokes on the things we're so familiar with and we we love uh you know we would be after... making those jokes if they weren't making them themselves yes exactly yeah. and we're so and it, familiar with it it's one of the things they could never have done this on the clone wars it would have been a little too on the nose i think but now that we're past it it, it just works so well well it, it, it yeah, works so well because back. yeah it, sorry so sorry it it works so well because we we haven't been exposed to it like we were in the Clone Wars because it was after a while it was a little bit over you know overbearing, but mm-hmm. now it's to the point to where we've been separated from it for you know three seasons of Rebels to see it pop back especially the comedy later where that one battle droid had the worst day where you had an at at come down and splat it, mm-hmm. you know? oh. and then and then you hear then you hear some of the best line the, one of the best lines I heard was just like wow we captured somebody. And oh, where was it? It's like, what do you mean we captured somebody? We haven't captured anybody, you know? Yeah, yeah, we haven't captured anyone in years. Yeah. We haven't captured anyone ever. Right? There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they, they definitely play up uh, this up a lot. And when the reason to your point, like, like you said, the reason they can do this is because it's seen through Ezra's eyes, right? Yep. Um, for the most part, um, or or through the eyes of, of viewers, it's so far removed. At least it's yeah. you know. Uh, what 17 years afterward, uh, by this point, um, <clears throat> and Ezra is so unfamiliar with it that they can, uh, they can they can make these these jokes and it's it's totally fine, uh, and it doesn't feel out of place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I I think the other thing that helps is this is uh, a writer and a director who have been working on the Clone Wars for a long time. You know, you remember the first episode or the first season of Clone Wars. There was a lot of really corny dialogue. Mm-hmm. This is the opportunity to use the kind of humor and timing they perfected on Clone Wars, which they never they got a chance to use occasionally, but not in the last, you know, not in quite a while, at least. Yeah, no, that's totally right. And, you know, uh, they they everyone who worked on this episode did such a fantastic job because it really feels like a. You know, a love letter to the fans, mm-hmm. uh, and the people who who loved the Clone Wars, and it was canceled uh, too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the fact they can kind of bring these things back is is so great. We mentioned Kalani earlier, 
And uh, I absolutely loved how they brought Kalani back. You know, we said, yeah, he was a character that we saw in uh, three episodes of The Clone Wars. He was in the Onderon arc. And uh, he was the one I actually went back and watched parts of the Onderon arc after I saw this episode just to refresh my memory. And he was the the uh, the super tactical droid that was leading the charge against, uh, uh, you know, Saw Gerrera and, and, and Ahsoka and Anakin and the rest of the I was gonna say the rebels, but the um, the, the the Jedi and the heroes. And what's so great is, you know, one super tactical droids are extremely intelligent, so it allows them to um, uh, to 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 think independently, unlike a, a normal droid. <clears throat> but it also gives us some great lines as well. So you know, we we find out that uh, Kalani is shockingly still operating, right? Uh, after Order 66, all the clo- clones, or sorry, clones, all the droids were set the shutdown command um, by uh, a certain uh, a certain Vader uh, who went and killed all the separatist leaders, wiped out the separatist leaders. Um, I I don't really remember that happening. I mean, I guess it's kind of implied when Vader kills the separatists, but does that did that really just mean like the droids kind of fell over and died? Palpatine told him to issue the shutdown thing when he yeah. was in Lucifer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Told him to do it. Yeah, and, and I mean, in the Phantom Menace, we saw the very, much more rudimentary version of the system where you know the droid control ship blows up, all the droids just fall over. Right. Uh, and we we learned later in the seasons that they they, they fixed fix that. that flaw, right? Uh, so I think they they can operate a bit more. Um, independently, uh, but ultimately, I think they still have to listen to the shutdown command. So it's very interesting to me that uh, Kalani was actually able to completely ignore this. Um, he said, "You know, he says near the end of the war, the separatist droids significantly outnumbered Republic units. Mm-hmm. By my calculations, the probability of being defeated was only twenty three point six percent." Yep. Uh, so when that command comes through, he actually didn't believe it, uh, and, c- and he ignored it. Uh, Andrew, what do you what do you think of of this whole concept? I think it's kind of scary that you have something so intelligent that could do that. Um, <laughs> when I first saw the episode, I was actually I thought it was kind of a cheap way to get out of that a, a loophole to get them back into it, but then. Later in the episodes, the stormtroopers do mention that they would think that these uh, battle droids would be powered down mm-hmm. um, by now and such. And uh, Ezra figures out that they're malfunctioning, that they're not working correctly. So obviously they aren't, you know, 100 percent and time has um, hurt even uh, Kalani. So that I, I can get over that. It actually reminded me of. I think it was right after Revenge of the Sith when Star Wars Galaxies was still a thing. They put battle droids in that and they had them go up against um, original trilogy era stormtroopers and stuff mm-hmm. like that while you were playing. And I always thought that was weird, but also like a cool kind of weird because it was two eras that I had grown up with. So I knew them, mm-hmm. but it still felt weird. And seeing it here was also extremely, I don't know, it was. It, it almost felt fan fiction It did. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good way to like, put it, which is why it felt like a, it felt like a video game, which is why it works in Galaxies, but it also worked here. 
felt like a toy thing. That's what it felt like. I think what also made it work here was when the battle between the super battle, uh, yeah, the super battle droids, when Rex took the helmet, threw it at the shield, um, <laughs> disabled it because it was overheating. So, and I think even Kalani mentioned that his forces for over time were technically deteriorating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He did. And, yeah. And then the other thing, the, the other thing when it comes to Kalani, do you think at this point, when it comes to that character, do you think he became, because he was able to outsmart, outthink, do you, became, do you think he became uh, sentient? Oh, you're going to do a very... I don't know, I know if Star Wars would ever do that. But That level. But if you but if it, you look at it if you look at it by what happened, that he was able to go against his programming, thinking it was a trick. Huh. Oh, this I is, mean, so this is something yeah. Star Wars was kind of avoided Avoiding, is the like yeah. the droid rights or droid sentience. Like you know, I I don't think people would doubt that R two and C three PO are kind of special. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is how special? Yeah. And it. It's one of those they've just they've avoided it thus far. I'm I'm actually kind of glad it it always felt kind of like a a lazy trope of sorts to kind of I don't know. It just it was never a Star Wars theme to me. Is mm-hmm. so I'm I'm glad they've largely avoided mm-hmm. kind of playing with it. Okay. It it was always too hard science fiction for me too. I was fine with seeing him again, even if I was like at first it mostly because of the era it threw me right. back. But seeing it again was. He he explained it well enough that I was I wrapped my mind around it and seeing his outcome is very interesting for what they're trying to do with, you know, growing a bigger rebellion and whatnot. So I right. ultimately it was fine to see him. And you know, I, I can I can see how from the the perspective of a super tactical droid he received one signal and only one signal, mm. I'm presuming, uh, that said shut down, the war is over. Uh Lord City has promised them peace. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, he, they received the, the 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 shutdown command, and as he said, he had calculated the probability of the Republic winning, and it was only twenty three point six percent less than a you know twenty five percent chance of uh, of defeat mm-hmm. um, when it comes to you know the, the Clone Wars, and so. Getting a like a, a surrender signal like that, I can see how they might think, oh well, you know, and this is less sentience, but more, hey, uh, this is the high high performing um, uh, droid, tactical droid that's able to uh, realized. Wait a minute, there's no way this computes, right? And unless I get some other confirmation, I'm just going to keep operating as this because this must be a trick, mm-hmm. right? Because y- you have to imagine like. You know, I'm sure someone somewhere during the Clone Wars tried to um, or would have tried to fake the signal uh, to shut down the droids. Because that's probably the easiest way, right? If you just mm-hmm. send a fake surrender command, hey, you just you won without any bloodshed. Uh, and so I can imagine there being programming to try to uh, maybe get around that. And not that the average battle droid wouldn't have that, but a super tactical droid. Yeah, I can see, you know. It's within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I see that yeah. as I, I agree. Yeah, but uh, but this this sets up a very cool uh, war game scenario because Kalani decided, you know, it's important to his programming to win the Clone War, 
And so he sets up a war game where he pits uh, the Rex and the Jedi, and he, thankfully they have a, a Je- Jedi and a Padawan there. Uh, he pits them against uh, his battle droids, uh, which is such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um well, and poor especially is taken captive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because because the Lasat because the Lasat were not involved in the Clone Wars. So I love right. how like true to the Clone Wars he is. Right. We didn't see the Lasat in the Clone Wars, so of course Zeb, you can't participate. Uh, which is such a cool idea. And and my favorite line, uh, probably of the whole, uh, out of the whole episode is the fact that Kalani notes that uh, mm. Jedi Rescue is a recurring scenario based on the 132 battles he's reviewed, which um, is very cool when you think about it, because you know how many episodes of The Clone Wars there were? Probably 132 battles. 132. <laughs> okay. And and so this is a direct reference to um, <clears throat> to to The Clone Wars here. And the fact that, like, if he had watched all the episodes of The Clone Wars, he would have reviewed all the battles uh, and come up with the, the you know, the, the probability of Jedi rescue. It's very it's, clever. It, it's a yeah. nice touch for the big for the big Rebels and Clone Wars fans out there, which is so great. And that, that, that actually came straight from Dave Filoni himself. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, Aaron, what did you think of this whole War Games setup? Um, I thought it was really kind of, um, I, I don't know. It was, it was fun in a way, but then it also was very strange in how it pitted Kanan and Rex against Ezra because Ezra kind of treated it like, Hey, this is going to be fun. I'm going to get to see what these guys have actually been through and, you know, I'll see how I met, you know, measure up to them and, He's not necessarily taking it seriously, mm-hmm. and well, obviously that gets to them. That like, well, gets to Rex at least. I actually really like this because this is it to me. It made a lot of sense. Ezra is growing up in as part of the rebellion, something that's you know fighting a guerrilla war where independence I think is a lot more valued because mm-hmm. um, you're often kind of on your own. But when you're fighting as part of an army, that doesn't really cut it. Like you're. You have people who are, you know, you make very precise plans, and if you don't carry those out, it, you know, things go very awry. And it was, I loved watching Ezra try and operate as he's been trained to, essentially, up until this point, and realizing that eh, that's not, not how they did it in the olden days. Mm-hmm. It's two very different styles of war. Yeah, when right. You pit up against. Well, it the way they had him go up against waves is very. That's a, you know stand out in the field like British versus any other yeah. um, country they were going against. And then Ezra and Kanan and Rex are currently, you know, trying the American Revolution style of, of jumping out of, you know, anywhere and ambushing them. So it's two very different styles of war. And when you have to switch like that, I think it just, it to Ezra, it was, probably felt more like a game because yeah. he's not used to that. It's mm-hmm. different for him. That's, probably and, felt and he doesn't have the experience that you know Kanan and Rex are shouting, "Use the sword and shield maneuver," or right. you know, you know, p- push and fire or whatever. So Ezra's not familiar with those terms, so he's like, mm-hmm. "What does that even mean?" Right. So I, I felt that was very weird on their part in how they just kind of throw those back and forth and just expect Ezra to 
follow suit and he's like well what huh well even there is <laughs> yeah. even a point in which rex basically gives a drill down to ezra about how you know here's the droid army you know they are dangerous they are this they are that drilling him like he used to do ahsoka and everybody because he uh-huh. felt he fell back on his original i'm gonna say training but as he said programming uh-huh i like how kanan then talked to ezra as well and was like you just have to let him deal with this and you're not wrong it's just mm-hmm. you have to let him do. i think that it was growth for all three characters in my opinion yes there mm-hmm. we saw kanan become a better teacher and able to listen to both sides ezra was learning what the past could teach him and rex was finally letting go so mm-hmm. it was it was great to see that and ezra even comes that realization that you know uh, he, I mean, Kanan says he needs to finish, Rex needs to finish the battle his way. Mm-hmm. And Ezra notes, like, just like that droid. And he kind of realizes, wow, they, you know, they they have gone through this programming. And I think you're totally right. You know, Ezra didn't grow up. He didn't live through the Clone Wars. Uh, and so I, I think he, you're totally correct. It, it is a, basically a game to him. And it's a very different style of fighting, which is so fascinating. And... Um, in many ways, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, if you'd lived through World War II, you would be approaching, like, the final battle of World War II much more differently than if you, like, oh, yeah, this was, like, ancient history, yeah. and even if you fought in battles now, it's still a very different mindset. You know, Rex, and, and Kanan as, as a Padawan, but Rex really lived through this, mm-hmm. and it really impacted him uh, in, in a big way. This isn't history. Uh, it's real life for him. Mm-hmm. And I, think, and I think for him, this would give Rex closure if he would to win this battle. And it's the same thing for Kalani. If either side won the battle, naturally it was to end the Clone Wars. But it would mm-hmm. give closure to either side for whoever won. Mm-hmm. That was the yep. main thing for this. Yeah. Yep. So it, it, it was... It was nice, and I mean, it even gave the the battle droids some closure because you know they initially initiate battle plan Zeta, and the droids are like, "Finally, yeah." Uh, yeah. <laughs> which it makes me wonder, like, have they exhausted all the other battle plans Alpha through, uh, you know, Yankee, because um, <laughs> well, they're on battle plan Zeta Yankee. now. But, but uh, the, the question <laughs> is, if they went through all the battle plans, who were they fighting? I mean, it seems. Like I'm it was- sure it was a. Uh... Uh, like a interior war games where they're kind of themselves. fighting each other. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a good point. To keep themselves uh, in good shape and and mm-hmm. uh, fighting style. Yeah. Uh, what one of the one of my favorite things about this episode also. I mean, there's so many good things, but it, it's the the subtle touches that Kevin Kiner did with the score. As soon as I, I think once they're in the command center, once they've been captured, you get a little bit of the Clone Wars music. And then as soon as the battle starts and you start seeing waves and waves of these super of these super battle droids, sorry, these battle droids walking toward them from the hangar, we get the classic Clone Wars music, the Battle of Christophsis from mm-hmm. the film. And it just <laughs> it, it, it just brings you home. Like personally, I think the Rebels music is much better now. Um, it, it, I think Kevin Kiner has has grown so much, and like I, I love, I loved his Clone Wars score. I love his Rebel score even mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. That being said, it brings back so many memories to hear the Battle of Christophsis being played while waves of battle droids are marching, mm-hmm. and it it really it brings back so many 
memories and there's some great shots too of battle droids like falling down mm-hmm. and, uh, it was uh they were beautiful actually yeah. it was it was, mm-hmm. it was a brutal way like i don't think we've seen you know the battle droids blown up and you know burnt to a crisp and then you know fall to the side there's uh, one shot where there's one like crumpled on the ground there's a giant blaster hole through the middle of him and that was like that was the main part of the frame and then you see the other battle droids kind of walking away you're like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the, the cinematography in this episode was definitely mm-hmm. a a love song to yeah. uh to the clone wars yeah yeah but yeah. And, and actually fun fact uh this episode has a updated battle droid model obviously it's a new show they probably can't just use the exact same asset they did in the clone wars in most cases um but uh according to the episode guy they actually note that lucasfilm animation wanted to update the model of the battle droid during the clone wars but they actually never got the chance to do that uh so it's it's fitting that they finally in the last battle got to go back and update the model of the droid mm-hmm. to make it look more like it's uh you know it's counterpart from the films mm-hmm. which is also really cool yeah. uh even the even lucasfilm animation got their closure in many ways which is <laughs> which is very nice which, which is cool how they do that but you know out of all the characters we've discussed because it's great to talk about you know kanan ezra zeb we're forgetting one character that also came on this party and that's chopper Oh, chopper. Yeah, yeah, Chopper was here, yeah, wasn't people, he? Keep, people <laughs> keep forgetting that Chopper was there too because it's funny that, that yes, he was the first one to hear the Roger Rogers. He also kind of like darted, saw everything going on, but he actually is the one that finds something to help him get off the planet later. And he ends up finding, I think it was three shelf, uh, what's it, how's it pronounced? And I don't have my uh, I think it's on. Sheathapede. Okay, yeah. Class transport by shuttles. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a crazy That's, name. Yeah, I know it's. But and like I said, I don't have my glasses on, so it was very hard to read a computer screen. Um, it, it took me like it took me a while to look up the name of the ship because like oh it's like right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember how what it is. And Sheathapede, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, I so I spent a yeah. while looking it up. Finally found the name. I'm sorry. And then, and then this this morning I, I look at the episode guide. Once the episode guide was posted, and there it is right there. I'm like, well, that could have saved me some time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, Chop Chopper has to play his part. He finds this shuttle. In fact, like I said, he found three of them. And you know, this is what I love. He plugs into the socket. The thing doesn't work. And what does he do? Like every good mechanic, bangs the thing. <laughs> he bangs on it. Yeah, <laughs> bangs on it. Uh-huh. And it magical works. solution. Absolutely. <laughs> So he, he's sending yeah. a distress signal, and, and here's the thing to where, you know, you're having this really great love letter to the Clone Wars, and what who ends up really blowing the party? The Empire. <laughs> the, the Empire comes in, you know, because here, here you have Chopper sends his distress signal, and we find Hera and Sabine, they are fleeing from an Imperial convoy, or an Imperial battle fleet. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's at least three Star Destroyers there. Something yeah, like good that. Good-sized. Yeah, good-sized. Just, just a few. Yeah, Governor Price was involved, too, because I guess uh, Hera was barely escaped with, I guess, fuel for the, the the fleet. And it just so happened that Governor Price and Agent Callus, Callus was there, too, uh, they intercepted the signal. So guess who's going to Agamar as well? The Empire. The Empire. Yeah. I did find it interesting that Callus... Um, he didn't really seem to do much in this episode uh, in terms of like helping the rebels. Cause we know he's now, we know he's Fulcrum or we we're, we're, we believe he's Fulcrum, right? He clearly well, helped. Well, now well, what could he have done in this case though? I mean, probably not. 
Yeah. But but probably other, not. But the other thing on that but, respect, uh, could this have could this have been honestly just a one time shot? I just because of honor between Zeb and I, I'm going to throw this bone to you. Oh, so you're saying maybe he's not? You know, well, I I think he is only because that's that's when they decoded the transmission. You know, they they, they pitched they pitched it up and it was Callus's voice. Right. Uh, it was gave it a yellow, but um. It's okay. possible they're just having him do it just to fake everyone out, right? Yeah. And it's actually not callous. Well, that could no, be interesting. But, okay, but... And they even had him voice the transmission just to fool people. But <laughs> Okay, but then again, so so what you could be saying is... <laughs> Which would actually be a very Dave Filoni thing to do, I, I feel like. The most yes. Dave Filoni thing <laughs> okay. to do. Oh okay, but gosh. wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't not give just, him any ideas. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Not, not, just, not just the Dave Filoni idea, but if you look at it this way, is this a Grand Admiral... Thrawn idea. I found it interesting that Price was trying to be a little Thrawn, but I don't think she quite has it down. She she doesn't know the candle to him. Right. Wait. Yeah. So you're saying Thrawn, maybe maybe Callus told Thrawn what happened on the moon over Geonosis. And then Thrawn decides, I want you to become... I Fulcrum. want you to become okay. Fulcrum. Okay, think to of it mess this way. With the rebels. Think, think of it this that way. That would be pretty devious. Think of it. Think of it wow. this way. Think of it this way. Remember, he did say, "Oh God, what was his speech?" That. Oh, okay, as devious as it sounds, the way I'm just now speaking, saying this, it makes sense that if this is all a Thrawn plot, I can see it to where. He he's going to destroy the rebellion from within and tear them apart piece by piece. And the best way to do it is if Callus throws them the bone with these three rebel pilots, that's one, and that is basically using Zeb against the rebellion. And in this last episode, he was basically playing Hera against the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Do you see kind of like a screwy wow. pattern going on right now? Yeah, that, I, can, that's a very I can't rule it out. Because that, because don't don't you think that would be a very Thrawn thing to do? If he's if he's studying them, if he's conducting an experiment, which you saw that happen in the last episode, it was an experiment. Yep. Devious. Wow, I'm. I mean, I don't know. I, I surprise uh, myself right now. Honestly. I like, I like, I love the idea of it. Uh, I like to think that Callus is a good guy, but maybe it's just all part of a big plot. I love that mm-hmm. that concept. If it if it isn't true, then uh, you know you should you should help the writers. Uh, <laughs> you should be in the writers' room. <laughs> uh, I don't know any writers, honestly. I really don't. <laughs> so uh, anyway. well, there's always next time. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll. But anyway. next time we'll yeah. charge for our services. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just a but, fan, uh, guys. But, but you know, as you noted earlier, Rex and and Kanan uh, split up uh, from Ezra, which, as Kalani notes, they do 76 percent of the time. Again, I love how he just throws out the yeah. Stuff. Oh yeah, they do the 76 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then. Chopper, who was, you know, looking at the uh, the Shitha speech, 
ship? She's the peed. She's the peed. You know what? Just, just say the shuttle. Uh, just a, say the three shuttles. that ten times fast. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the, the separatist shuttle. Um, there you go. Which, by the way, you know, we, we actually saw in Revenge of the Sith, right? Yep. That's the shuttle that mm-hmm. uh, Grievous walks out of and on uh, on Utapau. Um, anyway. Uh so they, they split up and Ezra gets delayed by Chopper and that results in them actually uh, being shot. I think Rex is actually shot twice uh, by clone troopers. At one point like, he gets shot and falls down and uh, mm-hmm. for a brief second you think, oh no, is this the, is this the end of Rex? Um, thankfully, that was not the case. And, and, of course and Aaron, I have to think... You loved, I have to imagine that you loved the explanation for <laughs> what happened here. Generation one armor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I have, I have a weird, I, I don't know. That, that felt a little strange to me because he's technically wearing his uh, face two chest plate. And <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's, particular that's particular. One. <laughs> so, so. Uh, Aaron, uh, and you might correct correct me if I'm wrong because I could be completely off base here, but maybe within Generation 1 there's multiple phases. Uh, so it's the first generation of armor, which had multiple phases, and the second generation of armor is like what the you know the stormtroopers would wear. Oh, okay. Well, that would make sense, I suppose. So Phase 2 is actually part of Generation 1. Generation 1, yeah. And <laughs> I wonder if... if uh, well, because, I mean, he took a, a, a blast from a droid sniper in that episode in clone wars the deserter mm-hmm. and that went like straight through his armor it went through his his um shoulder pauldron and his chest armor so um i, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that the battle droids are like you know their energy's depleted their mm-hmm. their that batteries are kind of low so maybe their blaster bolts aren't as potent as they could be i don't know but i mean even then i love the you know we we see so much in rebels, right? The, the heroes are taking fire and they, they often or not always, but you know, the, the side, the, the more, um, the side characters would die. But for the most part, the heroes could take some blaster fire and, and be just fine. Mm-hmm. Versus in rebels. Now, you know, the, uh, the good guys shoot at the stormtroopers and take them out pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, um, and, and even in, you know, the original trilogy. And so it's, a, I love the fact that they actually addressed it in this episode and said, yeah, you know, the, the old clone trooper armor was so much better than the new <laughs> one, <laughs> which, which was a nice explanation. Well, if you think about it, the uh, the Clone it Wars would have would have uh, depleted the galaxy of its resources. So, and the Empire's uh, cheap. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that's the yeah. bigger thing. And does not care yeah. about their troops really at all. They, they, had, they had to spend their credits on something else much larger, <laughs> like a statue of the Emperor. <laughs> well, I was going or a Death Star. Than that, but you know, <laughs> the Death Star. Yeah, yeah a there giant you go. Death weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I did think that was interesting. Uh, Generation one armor. Yep. <laughs> Always holds up. Yep. Uh, great. Uh, and I especially liked when he uh, throws his bucket at the the uh, Droika yeah. and it. Did he says? Uh, did he say? I'm surprised that worked. That actually yeah. worked. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah he did. Uh, I like that because it's as if he and his friends have tried that before and didn't work. I know and that, is, and... that actually worked. It was that's, like a last effort and. Well, I think I think it was in this case that, that, that did it. 
What the heck? <laughs> but I think it. I think it was in this case. I think even even Kanan mentioned it. It's because they overheat it. Yeah, it's right, malfunctioning. Right. Yeah, yeah so it malfunctioning. And, and yeah, and naturally because the droids just were old, that something like that could possibly happen. And you know what? It actually makes that believable that throwing his helmet at the droid Hekka would actually have worked. Yeah, and and of course, what does he say immediately afterward, Tom? Oh, geez, did you have to quiz me right now? I was on such <laughs> a roll. He says what you love to say. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm drawing <laughs> a blank. Is, is it is it well, PG? <laughs> so the droid's too old, just like me. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm the old fart. <laughs> You're always saying that on the show. I, so I figured I figured you would appreciate Rex's yeah. uh, his line. Yeah. Well. Honestly, I'm so old, that one went right over my head. <laughs> no, you're not old. You're Thank not you. Old. Thank um, you very much. But, uh, but, but Rex, Kanan, and Ezra enter the command station. They, 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 they made it to the, the objective until Kalani Day 1. But And here's where this, this surprised me. I missed this on my first viewing, but I noticed it on my second one. Mm-hmm. Ezra actually bats away the blaster before Rex could shoot Kalani, making the shot go awry. And Ezra said, comes there, you know, he, he tells them, you know, we didn't win. Uh, the droids are so old, they malfunctioned. If they didn't, we'd be goners. Um, and of course, Kalani uses that to spin that, you know, oh, of course we would have prevailed. So technically we won. Uh, which, yeah, I don't think that's how that okay, works. How that works but, uh, uh, it's okay. not how the force works. <laughs> this film this great observation. Um, you know, and, and Ezra says, I'm going to actually again quote him because I, I think it's, it's so much more interesting to hear it that way. He says, I never really thought about it. I never asked. The Jedi were wiped out. The clones were decommissioned and the droid army was shut down. The clone war ended, but why? If none of you won, who did? And, it, and it's oh, so. But that's that. not really accurate, is it? The Republic won. Okay. No, no, no. The, the droid army was decommissioned, and yes, the Republic turned into the Empire. Okay, but, but I would argue that makes it a Republic victory. Okay, but wait a minute. If if <clears throat> if the droids are basically treated as being shut down. Not deactivated, sure. just totally but shut down. Shut down by the noble agent of the Republic, Jedi, the only loyal well, wasn't Jedi. Wasn't he declared Empire no, but... by then? When he shut, mm-hmm. when he went to Mustafar, I think yeah. it was. He had that declared it in the Senate. But I, I, I think the the more interesting thing, and I think what we're supposed to take from Episode Three is that the Republic became the Empire. Right. It is not that the Republic ceased to exist and then. You know, suddenly the empire appeared. It was that the republic was corrupted by Palpatine. Yep, mm-hmm. and, and that is true. Uh, and, and it became a transition for the republic to the empire. But as rebels fighting against the empire, they know, I think, that the re- the, the the clone troopers were were shut down. Right. So Rex didn't ever get his closure because he. One day they just kind of woke up and was like, oh, the war's over. Mm-hmm. And that may be, but I don't think it's fair to say they didn't win the war because of it. Maybe. Maybe you can like, say that with just, the There were always going to be, if, you know, the final battle was fought on, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of it, like Christophsis. Mm-hmm. There are many clone soldiers who are sitting on Coruscant and, like, you know, playing defense, essentially. They're going to wake up the next day and, oh, the war's over. 
it's not that they were cheated out of it. It was just one elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's true. Well, uh, I think, I think he, this I, was supposed to be a meta thing where you're supposed yeah. to realize that nobody won because Palpatine won. Right. Mm-hmm. That's which is something like, as fans we know. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. And it took Ezra to figure that out, which is interesting because he's the he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. He wasn't traditionally trained by either side, uh, Republic or Separatist. He he doesn't have that biased. And mm-hmm. he quickly saw that he, you were both played. Mm-hmm. Neither <laughs> of you got what, because he asked them both, what did you want? And neither of them <laughs> technically got it. So. Right. right. This, the Kalani wanted freedom from the tyranny of the Republic, which is what he, he said. And and uh, he's able to convince him that, you know, the Empire has always been his enemy. And, you know, that's why they have to fight against the Empire uh, and he realizes that, you know, yeah, well, I guess yeah, I was... Like, well, he uses Steve's uh, logic. He's like, it became <laughs> that, and thus so I have to fight that. Yeah. Went, and that, and see, that made far more sense to me. I thought it was a, a much more logical conclusion to make. Yeah. And honestly, I think I think it's exactly to Andrew's point. The reason they did it is because, you know, we've often t- in, in fandom talked about how... And, and this is not... This is not an exact. Uh, this is not exact because there's a lot of political intricacies uh, involved as well. But in many ways, the the separatists were fighting against the republic. The republic all of a sudden overnight became the empire, and a new group started fighting them, the rebels. So in many ways, and I also asked many times in the past, um, especially during the prequels, does that make the separatists technically the good guys? Some people have asked that in the past. Right. You take that talk to the Senate where it belongs. <laughs> now, now we all know that there were a bunch of bad guys in the Separatists. There were also bad guys in the Republic, as Arizona Crawl says. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so neither side was completely evil. In the show, they were portrayed as the bad guys. And in fact, most of all of Star Wars, they were portrayed as the bad guys. But there's always that interesting discussion of like, well, if the Republic was led by the bad guy, uh, were they technically um, were the, the bad guys all along? Well, you yeah. know, it's interesting. The bad it goes back to Onderon, too, because they're technically continuing the fight that they were fighting against the Separatists mm-hmm. by fighting the Empire. So for them, it's just prolonging more evil. So it really depends upon who you right. were during that time and who you are now, because you can't, it's not black and white because. It's too, it's very hard to follow, even though it seems pretty simple. It's it's hard to follow who should be fighting whom because ideologies get, you know, mixed. Yeah, and I mean the name changes. Some of the people involved at the top changes, but the the ultimate head of the republic and the empire, same guy, right? Yep. The armor pretty much the same. Uh the way they recruit is different. The, there's a lot of the you know, a lot of things have changed as well. The, most of the good guys are no longer have any involvement in the government, whereas before they were trying to do what they could uh, to save things from the inside. Uh, but it's a very interesting thing that we've talked about in the past. And so the fact that they brought this up directly in the show, and Ezra, in fact, was the one who brought this up, is very fascinating to me. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Tom, did you have some thoughts? Here yeah, I was. The, the only thing I was thinking of is, you know, Palpatine was basically. I, I, I consider this Palpatine was a third party. Palpatine was playing both sides. 
Mm-hmm. So technically, there really was not going to be a winner on either side. It was always going to be Palpatine was going to be the winner. And from the ashes, and he even said it himself at the end of Revenge of the Sith, a new empire was birthed right there at the end. Yeah. So if you look at it this way, the, the quote-unquote third party staying within Star Wars lore was the Sith. And it was the Sith that was playing both sides against each other. Because regardless, nobody was meant to win this war. But mm-hmm. Palpatine was supposed to take over. And the New Republic went away, the Separatists went away, and he just created his whole new little empire done. And that was the third party. Yep. Yep. So I, it's so cool. I'm, I'm glad they, they addressed it in this episode because it's something we've long talked about. And so it's cool to hear them kind of come to that realization in the show as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, this, not only did they come to the realization, but it, it, it set up a great moment where, you know, the Empire arrives on Agamar. Oh, yeah, that was fun. And Kalani sends out a, a, a scouting party to go uh, investigate. <laughs> and, you know, the Stormtroopers land. Like a welcoming party. <laughs> yes, it did. Oh, yes, cool. it did. <laughs> I mean, that's basically Agamar. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That is very true. And it set up great you know, comedy. Because he it, wasn't at war with the Empire, right? It's that's what he said. friendly greeting. And then, um, and, the, and I love the Stormtrooper chatters are looking at the battle droids like, oh, all these guys are uh, usually facing one battle, battle droid. There's you know, a bunch. And they're kind of like chatting back and forth. And, um, and, and all of a sudden, they just open fire on these droids. And they shoot most of them. But, but one battle droid, B-1268, yeah, is running around and i think andrew or aaron somebody mentioned this earlier but they he he runs off and the the foot of the atat just comes crashing down and smooshes him as his blaster Uh, is going off in all directions waving wildly (laughs) splat exactly (laughs) just a great moment uh fun fact behind the scenes he was originally going to have a much larger role in the episode he's going to actually befriend ezra uh, they're going to become buddies, and Ezra is going to give him the name Clanky. Uh, oh. But this was cut wow. early on in production. Hmm. Uh, oh, before that, that. Yeah, so am I. before that, he actually had a different name before Clanky. His name was Roger. But and the that's Freemaker Roger Adventures, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But the Freemaker Adventures beat Rebels to this with the character Roger, so they changed uh, him to B one two six eight to reference Stephen Melching's birthday instead. And I'm actually glad they didn't call him Roger because Ezra has that line, as you just said, Andrew, yeah. who's, who's Roger. Roger. Yeah. yeah. And so having a battle droid named Roger in an episode where Ezra says who's Roger would have just been would very confused people. confusing instead of, you know, playing on their their name uh, or what, what they say. Yeah. You so. know what I found interesting about that scene where they greet is that depending upon the age of the stormtroopers, and they're probably slightly older than Ezra, but even if they're in their twenties, they were only children when battle mm-hmm. droids were a, you know, thing. Yeah. So that's basically like looking at something and knowing what it is, but never having hands-on experience with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that they interesting. They probably learned about it from you know their training, right? Maybe his- historical 
you know, information stuff. So, so they like, is this one of those things I've read about somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things it's, I really like is... kind of the tone that they took with it. Yep. Yeah, I liked how they're, they're you know, the battle droids are sitting there talking to them. You know, they they may not be sentient, as we were talking about, but, they, you know, they're, they have the ability to speak. And the stormtroopers are just sitting there. They don't ask, you know, what are you doing here? They're just, they're talking about it like it's not even there. Like, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it might as well have been a piece of cardboard on the ground. Yeah, it was like nonchalant. <laughs> it's like, what do we do? Well, let's just shoot them. We do what we usually do. We shoot them. Yeah. Yeah. You know which the is, drill. Which is great. And, and, you know, they're not they're not worried about them at all. And it could be, as you said, they they didn't grow up with them. But we also get so many great lines from even, I don't think we mentioned this earlier, when Ezra volunteers to fight the Clone War because Rex and Kanan don't want to. Um, you know, he says, besides, look at them and points at the battle droids. How can we lose? Right. <laughs> Which is another great reference to how okay. effective yeah. the droids are, and you know when they when they finally do convince Kalani to fight on their side, right? Because this this welcoming party is is wiped out. Kalani decides, you know, yep, yeah, we're uh, I'm gonna fight with you against the Empire. Uh, as soon as he says that, the battle droid guarding Zeb looks down at him and says and just apologizes immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> for holding him at, at point blank. Uh, which is which is a nice little now, touch. Now, this yeah. actually set up a really cool shot that I liked. When they were planning their defensive uh, strategy against the Empire, I loved how it had that hologram table with Kalani, mm-hmm. Rex, and everybody standing by it like the old Clone Wars, where they're sitting there just like, you know, Rex is like looking over the map saying, okay, let's try and figure this out. That, to me, was a really cool callback to where you've always saw a planning battle like that. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Another one of those callbacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was a great episode. And, and then and it was Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Nope, go ahead. Uh it was uh it it led though to a great moment which uh, as you guys said felt very much like, you know, grabbing your toys out of a, of a toy chest um and and playing with them because it's a it's a mashup we wouldn't have ever thought. Yeah. Jedi and clones and battle droids all fighting on the same side against the empire with an AT-8 with three AT-ATs and uh, you know, eight, I think that's some ATSTs there as well. And mm-hmm. like it, it was a very surreal thing to watch the two sides that were former enemies fighting together against the empire. And uh, I, I loved it. It, it was, it was weird, but not weird in a way that took you out of the episode. Just like, Oh wow, this is so cool. And that it's, that it's, actually happening and the tactics they used too were also very interesting steven what did you what did you think i was not a big fan i, I take that really so, <laughs> i it's actually so when they first described it they're like so we'll have the droids shoot like throw out the proton bombs but they're not gonna be very accurate so then we'll have rex shoot him and i was like well why don't just have rex do it in the first place um, when it actually started happening, though, I was a little more okay with it. It felt a little more reasonable. I thought, you know, with the droids rolling it out because, you know, who cares if a droid gets shot from when they're out in the open, mm-hmm. followed by Rex, you know, blowing them up. But my first thought was, uh, this is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I'm not sure why they would need to redirect, I guess. Um, yeah, like they described was... the like we need to redirect the blasters. It's like why don't you just shoot them in the first place? But well, I think I, in yeah, the end well, they ended up doing that anyway. I think because they had more battle droids, right? And so you have one one of Rex who's more accurate versus you know a dozen 
battle droids. So they could all fire at once directly at the Jedi who could then redirect them at the bomb. So I think it's just more of a, a numbers thing. Um, there are only, you know, there's only one clone trooper and two Jedi and, and Zeb. Um, True. So I, that's probably uh, the, the strategy behind it. But, um, you know, it, it was it was kind of nice how even Rex acknowledged like that, you know, well, this takes trust to a whole new level because uh, <laughs> you're basically letting battle droids fire at you so you can redirect them. Um, and, uh, and even just, uh, even just seeing like Zeb giving orders to battle droids crouched behind. Zeb's merry crew of battle droids is great. Oh, it's D squad makes a comeback. Yes. Yes. You want to talk about that a bit more? There was a reference. Um, yeah, well, it was Kanan that I think addressed him. He said, D squad, move out or, you know, something like that when they're getting ready to enact their their big uh, plans against the adats and everything. And that was a um, kind of a, a, a callback to the D squad on Abafar um, yes. with um, general Gascon. Yes. General Lieber Gascon. Yes. Uh, that's a terrible, terrible impression of him. Uh, <laughs> so I apologize. As Good, he try. Good try. Good yeah. try. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't quit your day job. Yeah. William. Um, <laughs> But I thought that was really kind of cool. I mean, obviously, you would assume that D stands for droid. But, I mean, of all the squads he could have named them, they called him D squad. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> it, gives, it gives all the, the Clone Wars fans a nice, a nice smile there. And even, even Rex says, you know, one last glorious day in the Grand Army of the Republic. Even though he's the only one from the Grand Army of the Republic there. But, you know, he's still excited. <laughs> it, it's still, it's the thought that counts. Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. And, and we even have Kalani saying, you know, the, 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 the interaction between Kalani and Rex is still so great. You know, they're, they're on the same side now, but there is still this like fun back and forth between them where Kalani's saying, I've never attempted such a desperate strategy. And that's why, you know, and Rex says, that's why we always won. And he's like, not always. You know, it's like this nice back and forth between the two, <laughs> uh, acknowledging the different strategies and, you know, kind of still trying to one up each other just, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's just camaraderie. It's battle, you know, battlefield camaraderie between you know former enemies. That's what made it fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah. the 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 whole scene though was was very nice. Um, yeah, and but it was it was over very quickly, in many ways. A- Andrew, what did you think of of the scene and and the uh, immediate aftermath? How quickly they they escaped you know what it felt like to me it felt like i I keep saying this but it's it's just because it felt like it the entire episode either a level for a video game or playing with your toys it and how like if you you have the idea when you were a little kid and you probably did it and then just lost the attention for that battle and you just walked away Mm -hmm. that's how quick it felt but it, it also felt that way because like you said before they were matching so many different um, eras and things, but I I liked it. It wasn't. It was again weird to see, but it was it was fun. It was the typical Star Wars charm, like you were saying, with the jokes and whatnot. And the heroes got away, albeit at a cost for that you know one shuttle full of battle droids. But um, it was it was quick. But I don't I don't think they should have dragged it out. It was the they made their point with the whole. Um, 
the Clone Wars has ended. Um, this was a closure for both leaders in this case, and I think I think it wrapped up nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, now now that you mentioned that, um, you know, the the escape on on the shuttles. I'm not going to say the name. The separate <laughs> shuttles. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and um, uh, the Shithbead. I think Shithbead. <laughs> you weren't going to say it. You, the, William, I know. And then I tried. William. <laughs> Shithbead, right? Okay. You and know what? Shit, shit, shuttles. I, I sh- the separatist the sh- shuttles. The shuttle. Yeah. Just just the separatist shuttle. Um, as the sounds one was wrong leaving. when you say that, even though it's very different. <laughs> Um, and, and as they're leaving, the battle droid jumps on and shouts, "I made it!" And you know, only to fall off the ramp. So we still get that battle droid humor. One, you know, one last moment of battle droid humor. That I've always m- much preferred uh, the Phantom Menace style of battle droids, but quieter, just you know, mm-hmm. walking into mm-hmm. yeah. Well, they say almost um, like Phantom style. <laughs> <sighs> right. Yes, please, and please um, but in this episode, I think like you guys were talking about before, it's been long enough where it didn't it never it's never bothered me that humor from the clone wars and even from episode three it's just never been my preferred way to see the battle droids Mm -hmm. um but it didn't bother me i I found that part very funny where he slipped and fell out i I found that very typical of a battle droid and you know you're supposed to see the separatists and the empire as lots of numbers which is why they can win in certain scenarios but they're not supposed to be you know amazing at what they do they're they have a lot of numbers, and that—that's what makes them a threat. Exactly, it's quantity, not quality. Yep. Uh, but uh, but you know, I, yeah, again, it was it was more the nostalgia than anything else. Because I totally agree with you. I, I prefer the 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 Phantom Menace style of battle droid. But um, you know, we get we get that last little bit of battle droid humor, and then you know, a, as they're escaping. Uh, the planet, and we, they actually escaped the Star Destroyers. I'm assuming the Star Destroyers were in orbit around them, but they they managed to escape it pretty quickly. Or actually, no, I'm sorry, it, the Star Destroyers were not in orbit because the because uh, uh, Governor Price sent uh, a nearby some nearby forces. That's it right, wasn't... it was a nearby <coughs> nearby garrison. Exactly, um, but that's when you know we get this this nice exchange between. And I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well because. Uh, I had a, a few quibbles with it, but overall, I, I, I like the, the sentiment. And that was, you know, uh, that Kalani thinks that they, was a, they failed, right? It was a good strategy, but not a victory. And Rex disagrees, saying, no, it was a victory. We all just won the Clone War, and you ended it, Ezra. A galaxy of senators couldn't do that. An army of Jedi, clones and droids couldn't find the middle ground, but you did. It's a little heavy. Little, little exaggeration, I think. Yeah, so and that's why I want to hear your thoughts, because because I I love the idea that like it's the end of the Clone War and it's closure for uh for for Kalani and for Rex and for Kanan and uh you know for for those people who are still around and really it's it's everyone who's left from the Clone Wars in many ways, um you know aside from like a couple of the Jedi who were in hiding. Um, but, um, you know, yes, it is closure for them and they did manage to, to find a middle ground in this point at this point, but only the middle ground, they only, they only found that because 
they realize that oh wow we were both both sides were played and mm. the empire is really our common enemy um so i don't know if they really won the clone wars with this battle and that's that's the one thing i'm like ah did they really did this battle really win the clone wars i i don't know okay well look well i would say look at it this way did you have symbolically to have, symbolically, sure. symbolically yes but did you have to have a winner or did you just want the clone wars to end on a way to where there was closure and the way that i think they did it it did bring closure to the clone wars Yes, uh, I, I'm not sure I agree, but I okay. I respect what they were trying to do. But I think the point was that neither side was ever going to technically win. Yes, they made that point before, and that Rex is a good soldier who follows his orders. And for him, this was it. This was he did what he set out to do. He got the objective done. He got led his Jedi general and Padawan safely out. He he did it. He, in a very you know microscopic one mission thing, mm-hmm. he did what they were trying to do in the Clone War all right. along, and for him that's all that matters. For it, there's two ways to look at it: in galaxy for Rex, and then out of galaxy for all of us, which is obviously a big part of part right. of why they did this episode the way and, they did. And also right. to a certain extent, it's the same thing for Kalani too, because right, yeah. So, so basically, it was a great way to just almost call the Clone Wars a draw because there really was never going to be a winner from the Republic or the separatist side. Because again, right. you had that, you had that third party there that was setting both sides against each other. This was the best way to basically call the clone wars. It is over. It ended with a draw. Kalani Rex, the two of you completed your last mission. Your war is now that war for you is now over. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to wrap wrap up the the whole Clone Wars for me. It really was. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, so I, we also find out that the shuttles they stole are going to become the new Phantom. Well, one of them, because well, remember, one of them. Yeah, because Kalani. Wait, they stole I, three. Yeah, they, well, I loved that little detail right at the end because the, the Phantom was destroyed. Right, but it makes no sense to me. The Why? whole point Why? of the Phantom was that it could slot into the Ghost. Oh, it will yeah. slot. It, it will. There's a Lego set that shows that it eventually slots into the back uh, of the it, Ghost. It better. It's gonna look weird. <laughs> it because I, I have a fan. I, I have a Ghost without a Phantom. So I will reserve judgment. I think on that one. It it's gonna look weird, Stephen. There's okay. Yeah, it it does. Okay. And now I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe Andrew. So I, I haven't seen the the updated Lego. Was it actually the? Not gonna say it. Sith uh, or oh, separatist? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was that. Yeah. It. it <laughs> Sith. I don't think the same thing, right? <laughs> I don't think the set has been released, or if it has, it was relatively recently, which is why people knew this was eventually going to happen. Um, uh, and getting had, a new I one. I noticed that it was a separatist shuttle yeah there you go the, uh, set. so um and kanan i think kanan even says it we got you a new yeah uh yeah yeah he did yeah, he, he turns I he basically says to Sabine, get ready for a pay job set. yeah they just yeah. didn't dock it into it at that exactly uh, so yes yeah, so I, I didn't remember seeing i knew that there was a lego set i had heard of something about a new phantom but i didn't remember seeing what it looked like um 
So it was a nice surprise, I think, to get the uh, the sheathapede class transport shuttle. Uh, it's like a sheath, like a you know, you sheath God. the weapon and a centipede combined. Um, you know what? Uh, sure. Would, would, would you like I love to be, the prequels, I... but the weakness is definitely the naming and the memorability of their yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it's less memorable. I think us big Star Wars fans, we recognize the sheathapede class transport shuttle. Um, but sorry, uh, William, what was, Irish... I, I didn't catch the name. What was it again? Sheathapede. You know, even Peel is getting tired of hearing this. Sheathapede. It's not working. <laughs> it's not working. Uh, <laughs> oh so, my so the final touch for the episode. Uh, hold, hold on, hold on. There, there's one more thing though, which I also uh, like. Before we okay. get into that, which okay, is my, okay. my favorite okay. part. Um, they try to get Klein to join the rebels, uh, but he said. No, he doesn't. He's not. Does not want to join them because they have less than a one percent chance of staging a successful rebellion against the Empire, which I, I liked how he noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just going to go off on his own and do his own thing. What do you guys think he's going to go do? Advise the Huts, join Black Sun. Will we see. Will we see him again in in Rebels? It's a very interesting question. Mm. I I expect we will. That seemed too deliberate, I think, for it to for him to not show up again. But he's going to. What else gonna... is he going to do? That he was just programmed for battle. He's Hondo, gonna start Alex a band. Ah, Hondo. And <laughs> oh my! Goodness. He's going to give Hondo one of the sheathapede class transport shuttles, and they're going to fly around the galaxy together God. with him. Because uh, Hondo keeps losing his ships. Lost exactly. That one. Lost the one from his previous episode. It's no good for ships. But I think he, he still has the Imperial uh, shuttle, doesn't he? He's the worst pirate I've ever heard of. <laughs> but you have heard of him. He's like Jack Sparrow. He's, he's going to help Hondo find those riches untold. That's what he's going to go do. There we <laughs> that go. That sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, so Henry Gilroy thinks he has a theory. He thinks that Kalani will join the rebels later, but he only after. Know. Death Star. Uh, you would think he would know, but I, I don't know if he's actually he telling. Yeah, he probably. Uh, um, but that makes sense because the destruction of the Death Star is the big thing. It's kind of the turning point. Andrew, well, you had a thought. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I get the idea of the, the Death Star's destruction being kind of like how in the American Revolution the French had to see us win in order for them to help. So he obviously wants to see that we that the rebellion can do something because he. As you said, he calculated it, and he was like, "Nope," but he's he's been convinced before. Right. So I, I I don't think that's that that's a problem. But I don't I don't have a problem with it. But I I just think that if if he was to be brought back in in any significant role, it would probably have to be in an animated form, unless um, unless K two SO does really well in Rogue One, where like people really gravitate towards that kind of a not human, but you know. It has a personality, so they're okay with it, kind of a character. Because you you have to figure he'd be a big part of the rebellion if um, they tap into him because he's so smart. So you'd have to see him somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess guess we'll see what happens. But it it was fitting that Ezra ended the, uh, the conversation with Kalani... By by saluting him and saying, "Roger, Roger," <laughs> which was which was kind of nice, and 
and and and and Rex says, well, if you think that was bad, let me tell you about the Battle of Geonosis. And uh, and that's how the episode ends with what I think. And Stephen, I want to you know, I'll let you talk I, about is my favorite part of the episode. Really? I, I it, well, it was a fitting end. Let's put it that it, way. It was a fitting end. But so the episode ends with the Rebels logo, kind of. It was a very Clone Wars-esque logo with the uh, Clone Wars theme and, you know, flair. And it was just, it was a very nice uh, homage to Clone Wars, but it also really hurt, too. Because it just, that was a long, I don't know. There was just, there were a lot of uh, feels tied up in that. Yeah, it, just, I mean, seeing, as you said, the, the, the Rebels, when I first saw it, I, I was like, oh, that's the, um, that's the, the that's odd. That, that's the Rebels logo, but it's it's yellow. Uh, they, they changed the logo color at times, but, oh, wait a minute. That's the Rebels logo styled like the Clone Wars. Like the Clone Wars. And then all of a sudden it hit me, oh, wait, you know, that's not the Rebels theme music. That's the Clone Wars theme with the Clone Wars music that we always heard over the credits. And it was one of those things that I just heard so much i was so used to it that i didn't even almost think twice about it until i saw the logo i was like that looks off and then all of a sudden it hit me it's the music from the from the clone wars from the previous series i just loved how they ended it with that yeah it it was so fitting and and yes it definitely was kind of sad because you know we all missed the clone wars and it was it ended too soon but it also was like the i think the perfect way to kind of close things out in in an episode that was very much a tribute to that show mm-hmm. um what, what, what did you guys think of it oh i cried <laughs> you know what i completely missed the music i i, I will be honest about that um, oh really quick. yeah it all, I, the logo the music it was all very yeah well, the, the, whole the logo i got yeah the logo the whole, i got totally missed yeah. the music the know, entire I, credits was all clone wars music and uh, uh, yeah, I heard the music immediately. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> the really liked it because I was watching it with my brother and he's watched the Clone Wars. He got it. Mm-hmm. So I know it works uh, if he that's good. understood. Well, and, and, I mean, how old is he? Because he grew up with seven. the Clone Wars, right? He did. Yeah, yeah. he did. So wow. He, yeah, if he's he seven, he definitely grew yeah, up with the Clone yeah. Wars. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. From the very beginning. Wow. Well, this was this was quite an episode to be sure. And uh, everyone who worked on this did such a fantastic job. It was definitely a a great tribute uh, to, to the fans Uh, with that. Shall we get into our ratings for the episode? Yep. I I think so. Uh, Steven, why don't you go first? Ooh, this is really tough. Um, So this was, I, I, it was a really good episode. There's, I don't know. I'm trying to like. I don't. I'm. And I'm having trouble putting it into words. They they took a lot of the pe- uh, kind of classic elements of a Clone Wars episode and and made it work in Rebels. And they made it work really well. Um, from the battle droids to just about everything. There there were a few moments where I was like, huh? Like they pushed the like, you know, the Clone Wars didn't end, or you know, it was just neither side won that kind of narrative, which I thought was maybe a little much, but. Uh, Overall, I still really, really enjoyed the episode. Um, 
So I think I think I have to give it an eight and a half out of ten Womp Rats. Of course, that also means that I have to do something with my Womp Rats, and I didn't really think this through. Hmm. <laughs> um, you know what, Tom, why don't you go while I okay. cover and try and remember what I'm supposed to do with these guys? <laughs> Okie doke. Um, I really love this episode. Um, I thought this was a... You know how people sit there and say that um, Fanboys is a love letter to Star Wars? Well, I think this episode was a love letter to the Clone Wars. I think this was a very good way to wrap up that show. Uh, Very nostalgic. Um, I enjoyed it. You know what? I can live with this as being the send-off of the Clone Wars. I am going to give this episode a 9. 9.0 flat. Um, I am going to take my nine Womp Rats and people, people, you, you guys did not know that there was actually a fourth shuttle that, uh, didn't make it off the planet because, um, the Womp Rats were actually behind the controls and they couldn't sit there and hit that right spot like chopper to get the thing going. So, um, (laughs) they, um, they didn't make it. Uh huh. Yeah, so one of the at ads basically true. came in and kind of squished the shuttle, and that was. That was uh, you, yeah, you you almost, you almost took mine. Mine's close. Oh, okay. Mine's well, close. Then, yeah. Well, all right. I, I hang on. I do have a good one now. I've okay, got it. Okay. Better not be so, related to the sheathapede. It is not related to the sheathapede. <laughs> so I think I just think it's fitting. The eight and a half womp rats that made up my score. They are veterans of the Clone Wars. These are Womp Rats that are, you know, 15 years old at this point, and they're living happy. They're in a nice retirement home. Okay, so so were they possibly eight and a half Womp Rats when we were doing We Talk Clones? You never figured out what to do with them? That That's pretty much right. They've been around for a while. They were actually, uh, we were going to use them in like season four, I think, and then the episode was kind of <laughs> okay. iffy. Okay, So I can accept that. That's fun. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay, um, Aaron, why don't you go next? William, we're going to wait for you. Oh, goodness, why don't I go next? Well, um, clearly this is going to be one of my favorites, um, as it prominently features Rex. Um, but I like how they brought a lot of complexity to him and to his experiences and how he related that to Ezra and the, um, the closure of the Clone Wars that he never got. Uh, just so many layers to this episode that they clearly are very in tune with uh, the writers of the show. Um, and it was so, it was done so well that they were even able to put little bits and pieces of, you know, little callbacks here and there for uh, veteran Clone Wars fans. Mm-hmm. So oh, I just I love the whole thing. It was so much fun, um, even though a little heavy handed at the end is the oh, we've you know, you ended the Clone Wars. But um, definitely one of my top favorites. Um, I would say I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a, a solid nine point five because I see this going or having further repercussions throughout the show. Um and in helping the rebels establish why they're fighting the empire and how their history 
how Kanan and Rex's history can can help them move forward in in the rest of this fight against the Empire. So, 9.5 Womp Rats, and they um, they actually stowed away uh, aboard one of the Adats, and they made it back to Callus's ship, and now they're eavesdropping in his office and trying to figure out if he's uh, Fulcrum or not. <laughs> Interesting. I thought for a minute I've sent them on a spy mission for me. <laughs> okay. for, for a minute, though, I thought you were going to say, and Callus is their new owner because they're inside a, a habit trail and they're running around inside his office. <laughs> no, no, he's, they're spying on him. Okay. Andrew, you want to go next? Sure. I also really, really enjoyed this episode. I love the fact that it felt like it could have been taken out of a role-playing game or fan fiction as steven said earlier i it was fun it was charming it brought back for an entire generation a era that was loved i it did all what you can hope for star wars to do in 22 minutes heck even two hours mm-hmm. for a star wars movie so i i really enjoyed what it did and i do think Garen said it'll have repercussions. I don't think it was just a filler episode. I think it had fantastic character growth for Kanan, Rex, and Ezra. And I think that I'm going to give it a 9, even just 9.0. And my Romp Rats fought in a big old battle on Dantooine against big predators. But they've learned to let go. And all of them are now safe. Very cool. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> all right, Yay. Well, um, you know, again, wow, what, what what can I say that hasn't already been said? Great episode. So much nostalgia. Uh, it's the episode was um, if you've never seen the Clone Wars before, you could enjoy this episode. But if you have seen the Clone Wars and you were a fan of the Clone Wars, it just means so much. And all the little touches you could tell. Just how much care went into creating this episode from the writing to the animation to the uh, the, the, the designs um, to the music everything was just so so perfect and so um, you know I think I'm gonna I, I think purely for the nostalgia factor I'm gonna go with Aaron and also give it a 9.5 and it was just really really well made Um uh, and for us fans, that's you know, it was a nice tribute for 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 everyone who worked on the Clone Wars and everyone who enjoyed it. Uh, so my nine and a half Womp Rats were, they were initially going to pilot the Sheathapede class <laughs> transport shuttle. Notice you have to take the dramatic pause before Sheathapede. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> Sheathapede. Uba. Uh, <laughs> mm. mm. Sheetha P. What is going on? Um, I apologize. <laughs> you set we it up, William. You it. set it we up, William. It. You set it up, anyway, and we they, knocked it down. <laughs> so they were originally going to be piloting the third Sheethapede class transfer shuttle because we didn't know who, like, there was Kalani, there was you know, the Rebels and two of the ships. What happened to the third one? It was going to be piloted by those Womp Rats. But unfortunately, Tom, yours was very similar. So I'm going to take an every tactic. And, you know, there were still a bunch of Imperial forces left on um, on Agamar. And so the nine and a half Womp Rats were actually left behind 
uh, by the rebels to fight the Imperials. And so they're going up against the, the AT-ATs and the stormtroopers um, and kind of defending uh, Agamar. And it's the last battle of the Clone Wars. Ezra and Rex and Kalani, they, they thought they ended it. No. The Womp Rats are finding the real last battle of the Clone Wars. Y- you know, now that you bring that up... Sheathapede. No. Now that you bring it up... Sheathapede. <laughs> anyway, now that you bring it up, since, since you've now put closure on the Womp Rats fighting the last battle on Egamar, should we retire the Womp Rat rating scale? Because technically... No, no, no wait, no, no. wait, We wait, can't do that. wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Let me say my piece. Let me say my piece. Because we have been torturing these the these Womp Rats for how many years now? How many episodes? Through We Talk Clones, through the Ion Cannon podcast. podcast. Don't you think that they deserve, you know, that the, 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 they're not going to win? They're, they're being played by both sides? You know, you know what? So, Tom, I'll accept dropping the Womp Rats if uh, we replace them with Sheathapedes. <laughs> how many? How many? <laughs> you know what? I take that back. That's what I thought. Keep it going, man. Wise choice, Tom. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and I think with that, we have. If you up... want us to replace the Womp Rats with something else, send us uh, an email. Or if you don't want us. Uh, send us a message. Post it Tweet on us Facebook. At Ion Cannon Cast. Po- post it. Post uh, it below on Facebook. Yeah. Either way. Uh, because we have a little bit of a break. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. Uh, because coming up on We Talk Clones. I mean, Ion Cannon uh, is season three, episode seven, Imperial Super Commandos. Mm. Yeah, having lost contact with the protectors of Concord Dawn, Sabine, Ezra, and their captured leader. Fen Rao investigate, but find the base has been taken over by Imperial Mandalorians. Imperial Mandalorians. What do you guys think of that? It's going to be interesting. Part of the um, some of the trailer bits that we saw from season three. Yeah, uh, I think this will be a fun episode. But unfortunately, we're going to wait two weeks. It'll be back on November fifth. So we've got a little bit of a wait. Uh, I think we can blame Halloween. Um, yeah, you know, we should be like a Brain Invaders episode, right? What happened? <laughs> that was a Halloween episode, wasn't it? For the it was. Which one? It was. <laughs> Brain Invaders. Yes, that was a Halloween episode. Yeah. But uh, but you know what? You know what's even a scarier episode? This is this is exclusive right here. Season four, they're going to have a Halloween episode titled... Sheathapede. <laughs> oh the subtitle of Uba. I don't even know how we got to Sheathapede and Uba, but it's great. Uh, you know what? Can I just go to the? Can I? Can I just go to this part? Aaron, Andrew, thank you yeah. for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. This is so fun. I always love coming on here, and especially offering my uh, Cologne expertise. Uh, Always a pleasure. Is is there anything either of you would like to plug? Um, Aaron, you want to go first? Um, support your local 501st. Um, they're always uh, around doing hospital visits, um, uh, cancer research walks, 
um, even your local conventions. So hug a stormtrooper. They need it. Does the 501st accept dogs? Because my dog's name's Sabine. <laughs> no no um, joke? I don't, I don't think so. I think the only acceptable cat is um, Hux's Millicent. Okay. <laughs> I, I almost bought her the Sabine mask yesterday at Target. My wife looked at me and said, no. I'm like, okay. That was probably wise, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd try. She's actually sitting here in the background squeaking if you hear anything. That's not a womp rat, by yeah. the way. <laughs> no, it's a sheathapede. Oh, she's Andrew, Andrew, please. Yeah. Anything you would like to plug, uh, sweet, and get out of this? <laughs> um, just that you can follow me on Twitter. It's a loopy fifteen, and more bad jokes and Star Wars discussion can be had yeah. there. So okay, that's it. Cool. Yes, thank you both. As always, thank you on the show, Andrew. We got to have you back on again. Yes, we do. Yeah, uh, sooner than I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been way too long. <laughs> So we're going to have you back on the show. Yep. I'd love to be You're always welcome. Aaron, thank you as always. Uh, first appearance of, uh, of season three, I believe. Uh -huh. So we'll have you back on as well. Yep. Yep. Always. Uh, well, as long as my schedules uh, align, mine uh, is currently in flux. So I was able to come on for this one. So I was super excited. Oh, I'm cool. so glad. So glad. Well, thanks. And we'll be back in two weeks with our review of Imperial. Super Commandos. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.